I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 96, How Do I Raise Financially Responsible Kids? With special guest, financial expert, Bobby Rebell. All right, we're so excited to have Bobby Rebell join us. She's the author of Launching Financial Grownups, Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. I love that title. She's also a financial literacy advocate and the host of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast and founder of grownupgear.com. Bobby, welcome. welcome we are Bobby. thrilled to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. We love it. Okay, I'm just gonna get us started. Why does it matter that we start talking with kids about finances sooner rather than later? Well, because then it's not going to be a shock to the system and you've integrated into their lives, into your lives, and it becomes part of your everyday family life. It shouldn't be something where it's sort of a separate subject. It should just be something that comes naturally to them when you go about your daily life. If you take your children with you to do whatever you're doing, even as toddlers, you can point out to them gee, we have a choice between two things. What should we use to decide which product we buy at the store? And if they say the one with a prettier picture, you can point out, that's fine. It may cost more, it may cost less. You might discuss that. You might say, we can pay more because we really value the fancy picture on it. That's okay. As long as you help them understand that, that it's a proactive choice at the most basic level. But start them early and integrate it so it's not a separate conversation. It's just part of life. And don't stress them out. That's great. You know, Bobby, I was so we were so excited to have you because with the holidays coming, it's always hard to get your kids to understand I feel the value of money when they're getting tons of stuff and sometimes expensive things for free when they're not really paying for it. 
How do you get kids to appreciate the value of things, especially around the holidays? This is such an excellent question, and I think it's important that we be discussing it because it is universal. No matter what income level you're at, no matter what's going on with your family, you want your children to be appreciative and grateful for what they have and to understand the value of money. And it can actually be a wonderful time to teach them those lessons. And part of it is actually having conversations about you know what you're going to be buying for, not necessarily their gifts, but the kinds of gifts that you're going to be giving to other people and have them maybe think about what gifts they want to give to other people and the meaning behind those gifts. And they don't always have to be purchase gifts. They can be gifts that they make if they're maybe if they're young children so that they're putting in, you know, their labor and their love. It can also be active things that they're doing so that they understand that gifts don't have to be a material object, that they can be giving of time, giving of, you know, being thoughtful, being considerate, and may, maybe homemade things are also great as well. So as long as they understand that it's about giving, not about items. I think that's a good lesson to give them. Mm, Great lesson. One of the questions we got over and over again in our inbox for you was on the subject of allowances. You know, should you give them? I'm kind of curious about allowances too. Does it really teach financial literacy? And do you think they're worth doing? I'm a little skeptical about them. I like that you're skeptical. I'm a little skeptical too. And I can take both sides. So I think it's really important that this be considered as a potential tool for a child. Here's what has to happen. It has to be the right child in the right stage of their life, and it has to be well executed among all family members. What happens sometimes is you have an idea of allowance, and one parent is very strict, and the other parent is kind of slipping the kid money here and there, and the grandparents are doing things, and it doesn't really stick if it's not consistent with everyone that impacts the child's universe. The other wrinkle that I've encountered I've had success with allowance with some kids. I have three kids and not so much success with one kid in particular is that if the child doesn't necessarily have a financial goal, for example, I'll put it out there. My, he was a young teenager at the beginning of uh, the pandemic. He was turning 13. He was stuck at home. My son really had no interest in earning money in an allowance. He, there was no thing that he wanted to buy. So if I, what I made the mistake of doing, and I'll be honest, it was a mistake, was trying to tie allowance to things like making his bed. Well, he made the choice. He did not value making his bed enough to get the, I mean, he didn't value the allowance enough to make his bed. So what I had was a kid who had a perfectly good excuse not to make his bed because uh, he made the choice, right? He said, no problem. I'm good. I don't need the allowance. I choose not to make my bed. He was very empowered by that. On the other hand, I didn't tie some, he had some family responsibilities, like he has to take out the garbage. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't tie that to allowance. And you know what? He took out the garbage every time Mm. it was full and we asked him to take out the garbage. He took it out because it wasn't tied to anything. It was just part of his job as a member of the family to take out the garbage. So for that child, it was best to not tie money to doing specific chores or tasks around the house or certain grades. But every child is different and is going to respond differently and in different seasons of their life. So you really have to weigh what's going on with your child in that season of their life and how well will whatever the parameters you set up, how will that be adhered to by the different people that are involved in that child's life? Love it. Love it. Here's another question. A parent asked, how do I get my child to save and not ask me for money? What about older teens? Things like coffee, food, spending... You know, it's social, it gets expensive. How do I get my child to take responsibility for paying for these things? 
This is an easier question. Stop paying for them. Okay. <laughs> Where should the money come That's from? It. Where should the money come from? Yeah. When they ask for it, ask them right back. Well, where are you going to get the money? And what are the options mm-hmm. that and you see would what recommend? They say. Yeah. So in terms of where kids get money, what do you think the choices parents should be running down with them might be? Well, they could choose. If they choose to have an allowance, going back to our previous question, that could work. But then they're proactively choosing that. And they're going to have to stick to those parameters, whatever rules you set in place. You can set that up because they're now goal-oriented. They want the money. You could also, if they're if it's age-appropriate, have them do a job. If they're younger, they could babysit. They could do chores for other for neighbors. I've had kids that I know of that are, you know doing gardening, landscaping type things, you know, mowing the lawn or more, not necessarily with machinery, but you know what I mean? Um, You know, raking leaves, whatever it may be, cleanups, snowplow, that kind of stuff. Um, Whatever is appropriate. My oldest, she was a lifeguard. She learned and she gradually, she was so smart. She gradually got different um, levels of accomplishment. I don't know the right terminology. When you're a lifeguard, there's different levels where you can get different pay scales. And she became very ambitious. And then she could teach swim lessons. So she was gradually moving through that system and earning more and more so that she could have the income and then have the spending power herself and not be dependent on her parents. And she really enjoyed that feeling of accomplishment and knowing that it was her choice whether to save or spend the money. I love that. And so then actually back to the question about setting up an allowance. It sounds like part of what you're saying is if you have a kid with a busy social life that can be expensive, one thing that might be helpful is to say, this is your allowance from which we will expect you to finance your coffee dates, your lunch dates, to have that be proactive and understood so they can start budgeting accordingly. Is that part of what you're saying here? 100% because you're getting their buy-in, you know, and I guess that's a bit of a pun, but you are, Mm -hmm. you're getting their buy-in. And, and to the story with my son, we never got his buy-in. We just said arbitrarily, well, if you want your $15 a week, you have to make your bed. And he's like, nah, fine. I won't make my bed. (laughs) Exactly. But if it wasn't COVID now, post COVID, he wants money to go out for pizza with his friends. We're renegotiating as we speak. Mm. So now he, he has an incentive for allowance. And he actually, last summer, he came back from camp. True story. Um, it came back in crumpled dollars. If any parents can picture this, like a, a, a baggie with crumpled small bills. He decided he did want money. And they when he went on outings with the camp, they would give the kids like 20, 30 bucks to spend at like the amusement park. And he had reached a point where he didn't really want to spend it on the junk. And he came home with all this money. He said, well, I didn't want to spend $25 at the amusement park. I just got myself one little snack for $5 and I saved up my money. He came home with over $200. Wow. That's amazing. I couldn't believe it. This is a kid that didn't want the money. He didn't want the allowance. And and he came home with in crumpled bills, mind you. It's, it's lovely. <laughs> And promptly told me to put it on his green light app for him. Um, but he came home with all this crumpled money because he suddenly made, he came to that on his own, that he didn't want to buy the junk that other kids were buying at these amusement parks. He saved the, it was literally cash they handed the kids and he came home with the money. Mm. And now he has a little bit of a bankroll. <laughs> you know, we're going to get to that green light app because we got a question about that and I'm going to have you explain that to, to the audience. But on this concept of sort of, you know, save, spend, there's some sort of rule, right? 60% you live off of, 20% you save, 20%. I don't, I don't, I don't, you'll have to tell me what the breakdown is. I don't even know as an adult. 50, 30, 20 is kind of the standard thing, but it's whatever works for you. So 50 spend, 30 save, 20 donate. Is that the formula? Um, You could do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
whatever works for you. We did do when he was younger and I would reference people with young children because my book is primarily for ages 16 and up teenagers, mid-teenage years. Ron Lieber wrote a great book called The Opposite of Spoiled. And we followed it so much when my son was younger and we had the three jars. It was save, um, spend, and give, I believe. Mm. And save is sort of invest also. And I think that is a really good thing. And it's visual because the kids can see the money piling up. And I think that's really great for young kids. So yeah, The Opposite of Spoils is a great book for younger kids. Wait, that is a great idea. So literally you could take pasta sauce, you know, clean pasta sauce jars that you've emptied. Yes. Save, spend, charity, and they physically see it building. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I really like that. You just got to watch it because sometimes they'll get in a phase where they'll dip into that charity (laughs) one a little bit. So we have to watch that. Keep an eye on that Yeah, that's the idea. That's great. Okay, here's another question we got from our listeners. How do you help your kids manage a keeping up with the Joneses attitude? So this is something I am very familiar with. I live in New York City and I we've had we have three kids. Two are a little bit older now and we've experienced this a lot because you have kids sometimes um, in the schools that have parents that really have just different ways to approach money and you can't control the other parents. So it is a balance because you want to make sure that your kid isn't necessarily spending up to them one, because of the practical matter, you you don't want to jeopardize your own finances and have your kid gallivanting around the world as they get, you know, bigger and, you know, this friend's going out to this resort area and so on. So there's obviously that personal one. But also what I found was very effective, and I'm going to reference my older, older one again, the lifeguard, she got to a point where she took the lead. And she said, you know what, instead of going along with the other kids going to this fancy restaurant when we're starting to go out, and this is really more directed towards teenagers, I'm going to take the lead, I'm going to make the reservation, and it's going to be somewhere that everyone can go. Because the truth is, if you're keeping up with the Joneses, so are some of the other children, Mm -hmm. you're not alone. And that's, and what I really stressed to her, and she really took to heart, was that it's not just about her keeping up, it's about the burden it puts on your other friends. So let's say there's a group of five or six kids and one is sort of the, you know, the leader that's that's spending all this money. Maybe the parents aren't enforcing any boundaries. Maybe she's spending money irresponsibly and her parents don't really know somehow. We don't know. But regardless, she's the big spender and maybe your kid's somewhere in the middle. Let your kid know, hey, look out for the people that don't have the money. Be a good friend to them by speaking up and saying, hey, let's choose a different outing. Let's choose a different thing, whatever it may be. And phrase it not as, oh, poor you, you can't keep up. Phrase it as a way to be a good friend to the other friends and look out for them. And that's going to hold true. That is so important when kids get older in their 20s. And I see this now with my oldest daughter, because you start going to weddings and stuff and airline tickets and Mm -hmm. bridesmaid stresses and the whole thing. And you want to teach them those skills because otherwise they're going to have real financial problems. And again, phrasing it as looking out for the other people too is so important that it doesn't mean they can't afford it. It means they're being a good friend to the rest of the group. Bobby, let me ask you, did you work out with your daughter very specific language? I think this is brilliant and wonderful, but was there a phrase that she had to work with? Something like, let's go a place that's going to be comfortable for everyone, or did she figure it out on her own, or how did that come to be? I would say a combination. We definitely did have talks about it. Um, She went to a school with a a lot of wealthy kids. Some of them were from different countries and just had very different attitudes and levels of parental supervision. 
I don't know that you at that age, when they're younger, can be that specific. When they're teenagers at the younger ages, I think it was more just making a suggestion and having the confidence to get the group to follow you. So not explicitly saying, oh, our other friend can't afford it, Mm -hmm. so let's not do that. It's just saying, oh, but I heard this other place is awesome. It's this cool dive bar or whatever. They're they're old enough to drink. I'm not Mm -hmm, advocating mm -hmm. that. But whatever (laughs) it is, whatever it is. But you understand. But once they're older, I will tell you, and, and she actually talks about this in my book and she was recently on my podcast last summer, she will be much more clear now because she now at age 25 bought her own apartment a year ago, largely because of these practices. Yes. And it's because she did these things. And she's very clear to her friends that are still very dependent on their parents Mm. that she made these choices and they are jealous of her, some of them. And she says, well, Let's go somewhere cheaper so you can save more money. Let's not blow all our money going out. Look what I accomplished by living at home. Granted, COVID helped because there was less temptation. She lived at home. She banked almost all of her salary because we did not charge her rent. We didn't charge her for groceries. She went out with her friends. That was on her. But they can see her friends can now see what she accomplished. And that motivates her friends. So now she's very clear to her friends. And it's almost, you know, it's a support group for any goal, whether it's health related or school support when you want to get better grades and you tell your friend, hey, let's go do a study group. Let's go work together. A lot of young 20-somethings, they want to be financially independent. And so if it can be something that comes from friendship and love and support, that's going to be so motivating. Mm, This That's just great. We're going to pause, take a quick break, and on the other side of this break, we've got a question about how do you teach financial responsibility to your teens without stressing them out? What really works in helping them understand how to build financial wealth? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. greenlight.com slash asklisa. 
I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're joined by special guest, financial expert, Bobby Rebell. Bobby, we've got a question um, from a listener who says, how can I teach financial responsibility without stress or valuing money wealth too much? What really works in getting them to be good savers? I would say let them make mistakes and don't judge. That's really hard to do though. It is. And I found myself, I have found myself making mistakes on this end to be fair. And so you learn from your mistakes, but try to take a step back and give them the independence to make some mistakes. I mean, some younger people, for example, um, I keep being asked about crypto and what I think about crypto. (laughs) I have no idea what's going to happen with crypto. I am the last person to ask about that. (laughs) But what I do think it's great for is teaching young people about risk, because rather than say to them, no, don't invest in crypto, say, you decide, but understand the risks. Mm. And who knows where it is now? Who knows where it's going to be? But whatever happens, it is high risk. Let them lose a little money. Let them make a little money. They might wow. do great depending I, on where they buy, right? I never but do that. I would let never, them do it and don't judge. I, I would never because if I'm not invested in crypto, why would I allow them? To, I think that's sort of a mindset a lot of parents have, right? But you're saying let them do it. What's right. the worst that can happen? With a controlled amount. I'm not saying turn over you know, all <laughs> right. your, their future inheritance. But, you know, if they're earning some money and they want, if they're, you know, they're earning money or they got money from a birthday and they want to put in 10% into a very risky asset class, whatever that may be, let them do it. I remember, you know, during the pandemic, there was a lot of Reddit talk that the kids kept seeing about certain, they call them meme stocks, where they were sort of stocks that were going to go, there was Hertz, it was going bankrupt, and yet the stock was soaring and people were making money. And they were telling me, oh, my friend so-and-so bought Hertz and it tripled in value overnight and they sold. I'm like, that's great are you going to do that? And they're like, well, we don't know. You know, they sort of, I just let them decide Mm. because there's so much time to make up. I mean, they're not gambling. They're not 63 years old gambling with their last, you know, Mm -hmm. last investment, whatever it may be, or last bits of earned income. Um, They're so young in their, in their investing life. So I think it's fine. Let them make the decisions. And the, the hardest thing, and this is something, again, I have definitely stumbled on. It's not easy. None of this, I told you so. None of this judgment. You have to just step back and just even, you know, don't bring it up. Even last summer when the NASDAQ was cratering and mm-hmm. I knew one of the kids had some, had you know, a big chunk in technology stocks, I didn't bring it up. Mm. Just don't bring you know, it up. It, what it reminds me of, Bobby, is um, a friend of mine whose son had a financial goal wanted for himself a particular pair of shoes that the parent was not going to finance. And the parent had said, you know, that's on you. And the kid was saving for it. And then he made some impulsive decision 
on something else. I don't remember. Maybe it was a video game or something. And so spent, and so separate from investing, I can see the same exact lessons can play out in all sorts of places, spent the money impulsively on a video game that he ended up hating. And my friend did the best job of saying, you'll figure this out. You have the goal that you want. You're going to learn from this. Really didn't say like, see, I told you you shouldn't have bought that game or if you really wanted those shoes. So I can see all of these ways, investments or even just sort of much more kind of everyday financial wishes that kids may have or things that kids may want to be able to buy themselves, letting them make their mistakes, like you say, and treating all of those mistakes, which hopefully can be small and contained and like you say, not their last dollar for retirement, as them learning as they go about where they really want to spend their money. Exactly true. And and like I said, it's really hard. You may stumble and judge. I definitely have had my moments where I've been like, I can't believe you did that. But you have to let them make their mistakes. And by the way, some of the things that we perceive as mistakes may not be in the mm. end. So, so you just have to let it play out a little bit. I love it. Okay, let's talk about teens and checking accounts. Um, should they have them? And then also, Tell me where debit and credit cards fit into all of this, especially as kids go off to college, if that's where they're going. I do think they should have checking accounts and I do think they should have debit debit accounts to start and then credit cards, I should say. And credit cards really because it's important for them to build a credit history. So the first credit card for most kids will probably be their name on your credit card. And what's really important is that you explain to them, first of all, how credit cards work. You can say, oh yes, pay off the balance every time. But believe it or not, a lot of things can be misunderstood if you don't really walk through it with them. Now, as I said, first, they're going to be on your credit card, so you can have a limit to how much they can spend, and you have to be in tune with what's going on with them. I have friends that sent a kid off to camp last summer, and they had a certain amount in mind, but they didn't realize that the camp took the kids to Disney World, and Mm. so they had budgeted $200 for the month because they thought he'd just be buying snacks, and then, oh my goodness, he blew the whole thing, and he was getting the credit card rejected. So you have to really understand what it's gonna be used for and make sure the the limit is appropriate. That said, when they get their own credit card or even before, when you teach them how credit cards work, it's important that they understand paying off the whole balance every month is not the number, you really wanna show them the statement. It's not the number that is, in, that is usually bigger on the statement because the bigger number is often the minimum payment. And many people think that they're paying their credit cards every mm. month properly. Mm. This is, you know, maybe surprising to some people, but it really is more common than than I would like to believe. But it, it happens. Wow. They do think that. Mm. Yes. And many adults have told me that that is what they did when they were younger because no one taught them otherwise. They wow. paid the bill. That makes sense. If no one's yes. ever explained it to you. You know, we you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Bobby, something called Gre- the Greenlight app. What is that? We actually got a question about whether um, what you thought about it and maybe it might be good for some parents who don't know what it is to explain it. Oh, absolutely. And I should say I have no affiliation with the company, so I'm not speaking on behalf of the company at all. I'm just a parent that uses it. I think it's terrific. It's effectively the way that I use it is mainly as a debit card and I can send my son money. And I find that very useful because sometimes, for example, he now um, sometimes has visited his grandfather. He goes on plane rides by himself and he's at an airport and he might need more money for something unexpected or I need to send him money. And I also love it because I can see exactly when he hits that Krispy Kreme donut shop, right? (laughs) You can see what they're doing when you give them cash you don't always see everything 
Greenlight also has great investing tools that you can use to teach your kid to uh, research potential investments and go forward from there. And there's different levels of it depending on what your needs are, but it's really growing all the time. Um, I'm not sure what the latest features are because I kind of am in my zone with it, but it's it's wonderful. They've got research, they've got tools for parents, tools for kids to really learn about money in a very practical sense. So is this like Google Pay or Apple Pay, but just on an app? So you can, my son could use Greenlight can funnel through to Apple Pay. Greenlight is is really an educational resource. I mean, it's a practical resource in that it has a debit card. The debit card connects to his Apple Pay, if that makes sense. Apple Pay, so the Greenlight is really an educational tool as well as a financial app. Is it like a digital wallet that the parent can supervise? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Okay, that's really cool. And how old was your son when he started with it? I want to say 12. Okay. Maybe 12 or 13. Fantastic. A couple years. Couple of years, yeah. I think you could probably start them on the simpler things younger. That's just happens to be when we started using it. I just find it useful because it has so many different components. It's sort of a one-stop shop versus Apple Pay is just one thing. And as I said, it works with Apple Pay. That's how we use it in most circumstances. He does have a physical card. You send in a picture of them. So his photo is on the physical debit mm. card that he has. But in practical use, he really uses it through his phone. as they do everything. (laughs) Excellent. So someone else is asking, you know, there's a fine line between making kids aware of your financial situation and then stressing them out, especially if you might be going through sort of a difficult patch at the moment. Do you have any pointers when talking about family wealth or lack thereof, or even if you have an abundance, what do you think is important? I think it's important to consider the child's personality, their interest, their maturity, their age, their responsibilities, because sometimes you have an older child who may have real responsibilities if something should happen. And some things can be on a need to know basis, like your actual net worth. They may not need to know that, Mm. but they may need to know who to go to should something happen to you guys, Mm. right? So they might know that Aunt Margie has all the information Hmm. if you ever need it at the most basic level. Or they might be older and they might have skills. One might be, you know, studying, you know, accounting and and be able to actually get involved. It just depends. With younger kids, I think that you have to be a little more delicate, obviously, if something's going on because you want them to feel safe and secure. And there may not be any good that will come out of giving them that information. Um, When they're older, you know, as a practical matter, if, if you really are in a dire financial situation, as we saw with some families in COVID, including an, a mature teenager in what's going on, they might say, oh, you know what? I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to contribute to the family. Now, instead of asking you for money, I'm going to be giving the family money and I'm going to step up. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's great. That happened a lot. Wow. What I hear, Bobby, in your answer is don't put your kid in a position where they're going to feel helpless. So if it's a younger child where there is nothing they can do and they may not even understand it, there's probably no upside to involving them in your financial situation if you don't have to. But if it's a child where they can have some say or even become an asset to the family in terms of their ability to help with the situation, if you need and want that, then it might be worth having that conversation. 100%. Bobby, as we wrap up, tell us a bit about your book, Launching Financial Grownups. Um, What can parents look to this book for? What What would you recommend they might seek it out for when they're wanting information? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me and, and for discussing the book, which is really um, comes from 
my own, I'm just going to be honest here, it comes from so many failures, Lisa and Rena. <laughs> it really does. Um, and a lot of my failures in parenting and teaching these kids about money, you know, it came from the fact that here I spent two decades as a business news journalist working for places like CNBC and CNN and Reuters. I became a certified financial planner. I had written a previous book. And yet I was really struggling with my young adult kids to get them to do things fully. Mm-hmm. So for example, they might sign up for a 401k but not fill out all of the forms. Um, They did know about credit cards, but a perfect example would be what we were talking about earlier where you get your credit card and you don't fully understand how they work, right? So a a lot of that was sort of half- half getting with the program and half not, and I didn't know what to do. So I reached out. I have a wonderful network of friends that are money experts, parenting experts, therapists, financial therapists are in the book because I was sort of feeling embarrassed about my lack of success in some areas. And I figured there are other parents that are also struggling with teaching teenagers and young adults about money in a very practical sense. And it is so hard. And it's not something that we necessarily talk to each other about. We keep our failures secret. And I Mm -hmm. thought that by admitting that even I was having these struggles, that might help other people. And I had the wonderful um, ability to reach all of these experts, basically, and get their take. Um, And some of them I mentioned, Ron Lieber, Julie Lithcott-Hames is in the book. She wrote a wonderful book called How to Raise an Adult. Um, KJ Delantonia, our mutual friend who used to be the parenting um, editor at the New York Times is in the book. So it's really just my helping myself and in the meantime, hopefully helping lots of other parents with these I don't want to say embarrassing situations, but just uncomfortable to talk about with your friends situations when it comes to your kids and helping everybody kind of get on the same page and understand that we're not alone. And hopefully from the book, a lot of the parents that read it and grandparents and really anyone that cares about a young person will start talking to each other and sort of saying, gosh, I am really frustrated. I love my 20 something kid, but I don't know what to do about this or that and and so on. And I just want to get a conversation going about that stuff. Just one more. I'm going to put, Bobby, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. What do you wish you had done in your teenage years or learned that you think could have helped you financially down the road? I wish I had talked to both of my parents more. And both of them separately. I talked to my dad a lot because he did put us on budgets and we had to come in and have yearly conversations with him. (laughs) Actually, really every semester once we got to college about what we were spending, why, because he did give us money, even though we had jobs, we were able to save the money from our jobs and then spend the money he gave us. So I did talk to him a little bit, but I really didn't talk to my mother who's no longer with us. And I had a lot of conversations with my father while writing this book that gave me such a clearer picture to what was going on in his life and his own ups and downs. And I didn't know there were any downs Mm. in his life Mm. ever. And like all of us, he had money setbacks. He had career setbacks. He had moments when he had his own whatever things. And I had no idea. I always saw him as perfect, which I still do, of course. He's the best. (laughs) But it was good to know, you know, oh, I did have this career stumble. Oh, yeah, that time when I was suddenly really into, you know, taking piano lessons. Oh, there was a career stumble there or, you know, little things that happened that as a child, you just see your parents as all knowing and all perfect. And I, I really wish that I had talked to him, even as a younger adult. I mean, I'm now, you know, a parent of three kids, and I hadn't really talked to him about this stuff till now. And I I really wish I had talked to him in the moment. So I would encourage any teenagers or young adults out there to do a debrief with your parents. I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. 
Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. We so appreciate your wisdom, your willingness to talk about a hard topic. I think a lot of people find money very, very fraught to discuss and your normalization of the complications, the mistakes, the weirdness that can sometimes arise and the importance of having the conversations anyway. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed being here with both of you. Thank you, Bobby. I'm going to go make pasta for a week so we can get those jars to save, spend, and <laughs> for charity. I love that idea. I love that idea. Bobby Rebel, the book is called Launching Financial Grownups. Live your richest life by helping your almost adult kids become everyday money smart. I love that. She's right. You know, Lisa, parents just don't talk about finances because it's awkward with our kids. But Bobby's right. You know, you need to have these conversations, even if they're a little bit uncomfortable or awkward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you have for us for parenting to go? Well, as Bobby was talking, I was thinking again about how much I love when teenagers have jobs. And I know I've brought this up many times. I think there's huge value in adolescents having jobs outside the home. And she reminded us of another one, which is when then they are making the money and they are then in the driver's seat often about choosing how to spend that money. That is really when they learn a huge amount about the connection between effort and outcome, time and money, and what they really want to spend money on and what it's not worth spending money on. And I've absolutely seen kids learn this the hard way and sometimes the easy way, but they learn when they are making their own money. You're right, Lisa, nothing beats experience. And by the way, next week, we're going to talk about tracking your kids online. When should you do it? And when could it ruin your relationship? I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.